How's it going everyone? And yeah, this episode was long overdue. <laughs> After ranking my favorite gym leaders, League 4 members, and even champions, I figured it was time for me to cover another character group, the Rivals, arguably the most important characters in any Pokemon game, next to Champions of course, because these characters constantly compete with you to see who's the better trainer. The Pokemon games have given us many different rivals over the course of 8 generations. Some are iconic and still talked about to this day, while others people wish didn't exist. But which one is the best of them all? I'll be going over each Pokemon rival and rank them from worst to best. Yes, much like the case with the champions, there are some rivals I really can't stand. These rivals will be judged based on their battles, story involvement, and who they are as characters, probably the most important factor of them all. And keep in mind that this is all just my opinion, so if you think a certain rival should be ranked higher or lower, that's fine, more power to you. Though I'm curious to hear who you think should be defended and who should be shitted on. <laughs> I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and these are the Pokemon Rivals ranked from worst to best. At the very bottom, we have Trace from Let's Go. This shouldn't be a shock to anyone, because you guys know I hate Trace with a passion. His cowardly and over-friendly personality easily triggered me. In fact, he's the reason why I hate friendly rivals to begin with. Being happy all the time doesn't make you a good rival. No, it makes you annoying and a fucking pushover. And don't get me started on his shameful reputation as a champion. Overall, Trace fucking sucks. Let's move on. Next, we have a three-way tie between Tierno, Shauna, and Trevor, often regarded as the worst rivals in general. And I don't blame them, because calling these three rivals is being very generous. Yeah, they appeared throughout the story of X and Y, but you only battled them twice. And the second time, you just so happen to fight all three of them right after Team Flare gets defeated. Yeah, they were definitely an afterthought during this stage. Doesn't help that their teams are beyond pathetic. If these three had more development, then maybe I wouldn't be so hard on them. At least the anime was able to fix them. Finishing up the bomb three is another tie, and it's between Clara and Avery, who are the two rivals introduced in Sword and Shield's Isle of Armor DLC. To be honest, I wasn't too happy about this. I was like, we already had three rivals in the base game, why do we need another one? It doesn't matter which game you play though, because these two are as shallow, annoying, and downright creepy as you can imagine. I mean, what do you expect from a girl who almost looks like a duck stalks, and a guy with fucking Pokeballs constantly floating around his hat. The only interesting thing about them is how they both have a goal to be either the next Poison or Psychic type gym leaders respectively. Other than that, I really can't stand these two. Make way for the next friendly rival, Hao. Like I said many times on this podcast, Hao is one of the reasons why I dislike Sun and Moon or Gen 7 as a whole. Considering he's infamous for being one of, if not, the most friendly rival aside from Trace. The way he stays cheerful even after you beat him many times constantly annoyed me, and every time he mentions Malasadas, it just makes me want to take one and shove it down his throat. Seriously, throughout the Alola games, Hao is either constantly happy or having a foogasm. Again, that doesn't make you a good rival. In the Ultra games, however, Hao, for lack of a better term, somehow becomes the champion of Alola, which is pretty impressive. Yet, it's hard for me to take him seriously. I can appreciate what they were trying to do to make Hao more interesting, but the execution felt completely off most of the time. It pains me to do this, but up next we have Brendan slash May. You guys know I love Gen 3 and the Hoenn games, but I have to be real and say that Brendan and May aren't good rivals. As we know, in Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, your rival is the counterpart of which avatar you decide to play as. In other words, if you choose to play as Brendan, you'll have May as your rival, or vice versa. Either way, they don't do much to be honest. 
Yeah, you battle them a few times, but they're more interested in traveling and completing the Pokédex instead of battling. Hell, they even admit they suck at battles in their trainer battles, so what's the point? However, in the remakes, they become more involved with the story, and after the credits, you do get to battle them one last time, in which they both use the mega form of the star superior to yours. Definitely makes for a better final battle than the one at Lily Cove City in the original games. I still love the Hoenn games, but your quote-unquote main rival leaves much to be desired. Next, we have Callum slash Serena from X and Y. Much like in the Gen 3 games, your main rival of Kalos all depends on which avatar you're playing as. Again, if you choose to play as Callum, your rival will be Serena, and vice versa. Still, just like the other rivals in X and Y, they felt lackluster at times. And depending on your starter, they can be a pushover. However, I do have a few reasons why I put these two above Brendan and May. First off, they at least show some interest in the Pokemon League, considering you do battle them a decent amount of times during the story. And of course, having a post-game battle which I felt Brendan and May would have benefited from. Overall, Callum and Serena are easily the best rivals in X and Y, but even that's not saying much. Our next rival is better known for his sound effect, Thud. That's right, up next is Barry. Jokes aside, I'm not a big fan of Barry. His hyperactive behavior and constant urge to find people gets very annoying after a while. He's like one of those kids that tries to act tough, but is really a coward. Though he has more of a spine than Trace, I can tell you that. And I'll admit, he puts up a decent challenge at times, especially before the Pokemon League and the post-game. Speaking of which, we learn that his father, Palmer, is actually a frontier brain, which would explain Barry's desire to be stronger. But in terms of the base game, he's pathetic. I was hoping the Gen 4 remakes would do something to make Barry more interesting, but no, he's still the same, unfortunately. If Barry had more personality, then maybe he would have earned a spot in the top 10. Starting off the top 10, we have Hugh from Black 2 and White 2. If you guys thought Barry was loud and obnoxious, then you're gonna love Hugh, because he just so happens to yell in almost every scene he's in. At first, I found it humorous, but now replaying this game, it's like, bro, do you have to fucking scream every time someone mentions Team Plasma? Not even Barry did that with Team Galactic. Speaking of which, the reason I put Hugh above Barry is because of his motive. Prior to the events of the game, his sister had a purloin that got captured by Team Plasma, and he promised her that it'll save it once he becomes a trainer. So his outbursts are more like a sense of determination, if anything. That's why every time you fight him, he's so hell-bent on trying to get stronger. It's also one of the few times in these games where a rival has a personal grudge against a villainous team. Spoilers for the rest of the list. <laughs> as much as I like Hugh's passion, he's not as good as other rivals in my opinion. If someone went up to me and asked, what do you think of Bianca? I would have said, oh, I fucking hate her. But that's Bianca from the anime. In the games, she's actually a lot better. Granted, her clumsy and oversensitive personality didn't make me think much about her at first, and her lack of challenge definitely makes her the least threatening rival in black and white. That is until I replay Gen 5 years later and realize Bianca's not so bad. Her role as a rival is just to prove to everyone she's mature enough to be a trainer, especially to her father who attempted to bring her home at one point, before being convinced by Elisa to let her continue her journey. And to Bianca's credit, she does improve a lot towards the end of black and white, which made her transition to becoming Professor Juniper's assistant in the sequel games more fluent. In the end, Bianca is still one of the easiest rivals out there, but I appreciate her growth. Since I've been talking about Gen 5, I might as well mention Charon next, your quote-unquote main rival from Black and White. Unlike Bianca, I didn't mind Charon all too much, both in terms of personality and difficulty. Charon's one of those rivals who acts kinda dickish, but ultimately does support you. To elaborate, he's very prideful in helping others with his Pokemon knowledge, and he's so fixated on trying to get stronger that he's constantly blinded by his own ambitions. Of course, he doesn't realize it until Alter points that out, but that complexity made me respect Charon even more, and he did provide a great challenge over the course of Black and White. In the sequels, 
Jaren becomes the new normal type gym leader and acts like a mentor to Hugh and the player, so it's nice to see him gain a more important role. He's also one of the toughest gym leaders from Black 2 and White 2, despite being the first one you face. No doubt he gained more of my respect after that. As much as I like Charon, there are other rivals I feel more attached to. I'll say it once, and I'll say it again. Sword and Shield has given us some of the best rivals we've seen in a long time, at least for the base game. Taking the next spot is Marnie, who instantly became a fan favorite. Not just because of her adorable design and kick-ass theme. Okay, maybe. <laughs> but as a character, she's quite interesting. Throughout Sword and Shield, she acted very mysterious and was constantly followed by Team Yell. We soon learn that she's the younger sister of Pierce, the Dark-type gym leader, who only formed Team Yell to boost Marnie's confidence so she can take his place as gym leader. But she wanted to pursue her own way of gaining strength without feeling pressured by her brother. That's something fans can relate to, especially when it comes to finding your own path. However, I am going to rank Marnie lower simply because we don't battle her as much as we should've, and her eventually becoming a new Dark-type gym leader kinda defeats the purpose she had earlier. But at least she can demonstrate her newfound strength as a gym leader, instead of the way Pierce does. If Marnie felt a little more fleshed out, then I would've ranked her higher. With that said, let's hop over to number 6 and talk about... Hop. Yeah, that pun sounded better in my head. <laughs> it's funny, the first time I played Sword and Shield, I hated Hop. I was like, fuck, it's How and Trace all over again! With their over-friendly natures and constant urge to fight you every 5 minutes. But the more I played through Gen 8, I realized that Hop has a lot more to offer than what How and Trace could have hoped to have. As we know, Hop is the younger brother of Leon, the quote-unquote, undefeated champion of Goward. So of course he strives to be just like him. However, in a very subtle way, we learn that Hop suffers from inferiority complex. He tries so hard to replicate Leon that he forgets to rely on his own skills to get stronger. In fact, many fans consider Hop to be one of the strongest rivals in general, because in the postgame he obtains either Sashian or Samazenta. So if you're playing Shield, good luck dealing with Sashian. Seriously, he'll fuck you up if you're not prepared. Overall, Hop can still be annoying as most friendly rivals are, but he ultimately earned my respect. Starting off the top 5 is another rival fans admire. And that's Silver from Gen 2. Yes, I'm still kind of iffy with the Johto games, but I can't deny how great Silver is as your rival. If you guys thought Blue from Gen 1 was an asshole, then you haven't met Silver. First off, this guy fucking shoves you when you go off to talk to him in the beginning, steals one of the starters from Professor Holmes' lab, obviously the one with the type advantage over your choice, and will constantly insult you every time you make contact with him. This made every victory against him all the more satisfying. It's later revealed that he's actually the son of Giovanni, who we know as the leader of Team Rocket. Before the events of Gen 2, Silver thought his father was weak for disbanding Team Rocket and believed only strength is needed to be successful, hence why he has a personal grudge against Team Rocket. And to Silver's credit, he provides a good challenge in almost every battle you have with him, especially during the post-game of HeartGold and Soul Silver. Speaking of which, I like how the remakes gave Silver a bit more development, showing that he's working on trying to be a better person, but still keeping his asshole personality. Most notably when he teams up with you in a tag battle against Lance and Claire, despite being against the idea first. For those reasons, I had to put Silver in the top 5. We move on from one edgelord to another, that being Gladion from Sun and Moon. It's amazing how I keep saying I dislike Gen 7, but lo and behold, Sun and Moon gave us one of the best rivals in the series. Gladion was first introduced as an enforcer for Team Skull, but eventually became a secondary rival for you. And thank god for that, because if Hal was the only rival you had, those games would have been much worse than I let on. Personality-wise, he has the traits you expect from an edgelord, from acting calm, stubborn, and power-hungry. If anything, Gladion feels like a tame version of Silver, including having a personal vendetta against a villainous team, and being related to their leader. For this case, it's the Aether Foundation and Lusamine. 
Basically, Silver has daddy issues, while Gladion has mommy issues. <laughs> but unlike Silver, Gladion was able to patch things up with his mother, helping her realize her neglectful ways towards him and Lily. I also loved how Gladion wanted to remain neutral with you at the end, claiming that you're not friends or enemies, just neutral, which I think was the perfect way to end this rivalry. In the Ultra games, he not only poses more of a challenge, but leaves Alola to take on the Cancel League during the postgame, which explains why he has one of the fully evolved Cancel stars during his title defense match. I for one still think he should have been Alola's champion instead of fucking how. But whatever, it was still interesting. Because Gladion had a great arc in both Alola games, he deserves a spot in the top 5. This is probably my most controversial spot on my list. In third place, we have Bede. Say what you want about Sword and Shield or Gen 8 as a whole, but I have my reasons for why Bede is ranked this high. For starters, his reputation. After years and years of having obnoxious and overfriendly rivals, it felt great to finally have another rival that treated me like shit. Granted, Gen 7 did give us Gladion as somewhat of a jerk rival, yet he's nothing compared to Bede, who easily became my favorite rival in Sword and Shield, especially when you look at his backstory and role in those games. Bede was an orphan who Chairman Rose took under his wing, acting as a father figure to him, and he even endorsed Bede to compete in the Gallery League by the time he became a Pokemon trainer. This led to Bede thinking he was the best trainer out there, which is why he constantly belittled those around him. He even showed great dedication to Rose by collecting wishing stars for him, but this obsession, along with his strive for power, is what ultimately caused him to get disqualified from the gym challenge, much to his horror. Soon enough, Opal took him in and made Bede her successor in becoming a new fairy-type gym leader. Of course, Bede was outraged by all this because it wasn't the way he wanted to get stronger, until he learns that life doesn't go the way you plan, and instead, you should take advantage of any opportunities that come. Honestly, that's one of the most realistic things we've seen in any of the Pokemon games, and it made me appreciate Bede even more. Besides, being a gym leader not only helped Bede with acting less egotistical, but it made him more challenging, mainly during the postgame. I know most fans still hate Bede with a passion. For me though, I have no regrets putting him in the top 3. In second place, we have Wally from the Gen 3 games. It's funny, I was going to rank Wally lower because he didn't really feel like a rival at times, but as I got older and replayed Gen 3 with a more advanced mindset, Wally is actually one of the best rivals we didn't realize we had until now. He was an ill boy who dreamed of becoming a Pokemon trainer, but was constantly sheltered by his aunt and uncle. Even though we did help Wally with catch a Pokemon and showed him how rough battles can be, Wally still wanted to prove that he had what it takes to be a trainer, and not let his illness get in the way of him again. That's honestly pretty relatable with some kids, especially sick ones who often try to prove themselves like they're more than what their sickness is lets on. So once again, I gotta give extra points for its realism. Granted, Wally was definitely a pushover in the original games, but thankfully Emerald and the remakes gave him a much needed power boost, especially the remakes because he not only has Mega Gallade as his ace, but eventually he'll change his team, making him a lot more difficult than he needed to be, fulfilling his goal to becoming stronger. Yes, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire still feel like easy games to me, but this is one of those moments where you play those games and say, holy shit, this is actually tough. And I'm glad this is coming from Wally of all characters. So I guess with that in mind, the Battle Mason isn't so bad because he gets to face Wally at his peak, right? Yeah, the Battle Mason still fucking sucks. <laughs> it was also nice to see Wally return in Alola's Battle Tree, where he seems to have matured more in addition to his newfound strength. Because you have a rival that gets stronger both figuratively and literally every time you battle him, is why Wally is ranked this high. I'm sure we all saw this coming. My favorite rival is Blue from the original games, Kanto games, Gen 1, or whatever you want to call it. For me, it's very ironic because I never really grew up with Gen 1, except for Fire Red, Leaf Green, and the anime to an extent. Yet Blue was everything that a Pokemon rival was and should be. 
someone who constantly competes and belittles you throughout your quest, but at the same time encourage you to get stronger and prevail in every battle. I know some fans like to criticize Blue because he acts like an asshole towards you, but then again, this personality works for someone like him. As we know, Blue is the grandson of Professor Oak, one of, if not the most famous Pokemon professor in the entire series. So of course, being related to someone like him would make Blue act all egotistical and shit, which made defeating him in every battle all the more satisfying, especially the final battle you had with him at the Pokemon League. This led to one of the most iconic developments we've seen with any of these rivals. Even though Blue had the power and knowledge to become a champion, he didn't treat his Pokemon with enough love and respect, which is why he ultimately lost his champion title, as told by his grandfather. This experience helped Blue realize the error of his ways and work harder to become a better trainer, and does so by becoming a new gym leader of Viridian City during the events of Gen 2. This time, Blue acts like a more respectable trainer, but at the same time, still keep his snarky personality. Either way, it was great to see Blue go through some character development, and even though he's no longer Kanto's champion, he still finds a way to impact players in future games, whether he's a gym leader during the Gen 2's postgame like I said, a participant in the Champions Tournament in Black 2 and White 2's PWT, operating the Battle Tree alongside Red in the Alola games, or even as a mentor in the Let's Go games. Sort of. Blue's arc and impact towards the series is so iconic and prominent that I had to put him on the top of my list. I'm sure all you Gen 1ers are proud of that. <laughs> and that's all the Pokemon rivals ranked from worst to best, at least in my opinion. It's obvious that some rivals were treated great while others were treated poorly, but in the end, it's up to you to see what you make of them. And I'm hoping Gen 9 will give us rivals that will be worth discussing. Now this begs the question, am I going to continue with talking about bonus teams or perhaps professors next? Uh, probably not. Only because I have other episodes in mind when it comes to Pokemon. Who knows, maybe I'll change my mind. But until then, who are some of your favorite rivals from the Pokemon games? Feel free to let us know in our Discord server and follow us on Instagram at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all major platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you're using now. Tell your friends and family about us, especially any Pokemon fans you know. Thank you for listening, and stay true to your geek selves.